20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack a Day Podcast. Happy Saturday. It is almost mid June, and I am here with. One of my two usual co-hosts on the Saturday version of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am Jason Perrone, along with Paul Brettel. Mark Eckel is tending to some personal things today, so he will not be with us. But Paul, good to be with you. It's kind of like old times when it was just you and I every other week. Yeah, it is. A little bit of a, little bit of a rewind. I'm excited. Yeah. So we've been fortunate the last couple times that there have been any, any press conferences with uh, coaches and assistants. They've lined up perfectly with when we record our show. So we had a couple of other fun superlative exercises in the hopper but we're going to take a break from that because on thursday jerry gray uh cornerbacks coach for the green bay packers and luke getze both spoke and uh luke gets luke getze's title passing game coordinator in an off season where there's not a lot of content you know it's kind of it's kind of nice to actually hear from some of the coaches and especially someone like jerry gray who's never been with the packers before when we're getting our first glimpse at him i know uh mark has a decent history with Jerry Gray. I think he knows him from before in his time covering things. But what impressions have you gotten so far from Gray just in, in terms of what we've heard about him since he joined and since he came to town? Uh, I've been incredibly impressed. So obviously yesterday or Thursday was our first time actually being able to hear him you know, speak as part of the Green Bay Packers organization. But there have been several different articles out, whether it's Packers.com, Packer Report, that have um, highlighted his career and what he's done. And it is incredibly impressive. You know, last offseason, we saw the big free agent additions on defense. This offseason, we didn't see that because of the, you know, they just had limited spending power. But I think that this is going to be you know, this could be a move that elevates that Packers secondary because it's a very young group. Um, you know, and we know Adrian Amos is experienced, but Darnell Savage is in year two. Raven Green is in year three, I believe. And then in the cornerback group, Kevin King is the most experienced player in year four. I mean, this is a very young, they're very talented, but young, raw group. And someone with Gray's experience and just track record of success could really, really give this uh, Packers pass defense a boost and we already saw them take a step forward last year um, and I think a lot of that was just the talent that they have so being able to refine that um, I think really sky's the limit for this unit and I think they could be really really good with him there yeah it would be great to see them go back to the days where they were just taking the ball away in chunks back in the last past decade and obviously when you've got guys like Charles Woodson and Nick Collins in your second and a peak Tremont Williams you're going to do that a lot but it, it kind of reminds me of how well the Packers receivers benefit from having a Jimmy Robinson when he mm-hmm. was with Mon Mike McCarthy's staff many years ago. I think Gray could have that kind of an impact where he creates. To me, it's again now. I again, it's the intangible. It's that intangible that I seem to always be talking about. That where you're focusing on the culture of the position group and it's a mentality and everybody benefits from the confidence and I'll call it the swagger of of what they're doing and I, I think there's something to be said there and if you've got when you've got a guy you mentioned youth there's a lot of youth in the secondary and you look at guys like Chandon Sullivan Josh Jackson this is going to be a very pivotal season for Josh Jackson to make or break his, his career in the NFL he was a second round pick hasn't seen the field just never has never turned anything into what we'd hoped that we saw from him in training camp and in part of the preseason. 
before the 2018 season into anything else. So this this is kind of, you know, it's Jerry Gray is is a big part of the Hail Mary that is Josh Jackson's. So, yeah, I mean, in listening to him speak, I'm only more enamored by him as a coach for the Packers, and I think it's would much rather have him on our side than on the side of the Minnesota Vikings. But one thing that we can tie back to the Packers' history is that Jerry Gray was coached by and mentored by Fritz Shermer. And we know Fritz from his days as defensive coordinator under Mike Holmgren's coaching staff when the Packers were running through the 90s and they went to Super Bowl 31 and won Super Bowl 31. So um, one thing I thought was cool was, just to kind of jump into Jerry Gray's comments, was because we're in a virtual environment right now and there's also more limited time that coaches can spend with their players. He, Jerry Gray actually went and talked to some of his coaches from his playing days as far as how they got players ready back in the day before all these off-season programs and meetings started. Um, it was, I guess, from what he gleaned, it was a good way to determine who the leaders of your team were. That was the biggest takeaway was you, you learn who the leaders of your team are because they show up ready, and despite not having a ton of practice time, they're still very effective. So... That was the the first thing that I saw there, you know, as far as his, his comments go. And that's one thing that I think is going to be really important with a, with Jerry Gray is determining who the leaders of this defense are. But, Paul, I'd have to imagine his job is going to be a lot easier. When, even though these guys aren't in the secondary, you've guys, got guys like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark who have established a, a culture. You mentioned some of the young guys. I think they stand to benefit a lot from Gray's experience as a player and just having that strong veteran leadership on the team. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, always a good pass rush is going to benefit the secondary. You know, quarterbacks under duress, it's less time that they have to be in coverage. So, I mean, that added, you know, that's going to help the Packers as well. But Gray, he just has a great track record, as I said. I know we give, as Packer fans, we give Xavier Rhodes a hard time. Um, you know, roads wide open when he's covering Devontae. And they were. But under Gray, you know, he was a first-team All-Pro um, in 2017, so was Harrison Smith as a safety. Uh, the pair went to eight Pro Bowls during their career combined under Gray. So, and then other players that he's coached as well includes uh, Samari Roll, D'Angelo Hall, Nate Clements, Antoine Winfield. Um, so he's just like I said, he's got a fantastic track record. And one of the key talking points that I really liked is that he said that he can he tailors his coaching and the philosophy and the concepts to what his players are good at. And, you know, that's, you know, to me, that just makes the utmost sense. That's how it should be. You figure out what your players can do, what they're good at, what they're bad at, and you put them in positions to to succeed rather than the other way around and just hoping that everyone fits, you know, even if their skill set might not be tailored to that. So that was one of my big takeaways that I really thought was impressive. And second big one, obviously there's reasons for everything and there's stuff that we probably don't know about, um, you know, why he was let go from Minnesota. But I also wondered, how did the Vikings let this guy go? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I guess at this point it doesn't matter because he's ours and we're not letting him go anytime soon. But you mentioned Samari Roll. And Jerry Gray actually brought up Samari Roll when he was talking specifically about Jair Alexander. Calls him Jai. So they're already on a nickname basis, which isn't a surprise. Jair Alexander, one of the up-and-coming stars of the Packers. But he, he just said in looking at Jair and some of the things that he's done, he's obviously good in coverage, but he has this rare ability to see both the quarterback and the wide receiver at the same time, which is not something all corners can do, but it's the hallmark of the really good ones. Jair has shown, as far as what Gray has seen on film and what he's watched of him, that he can do that. 
And Jerry Gray asked Jair what his goals were. So he has these players in mind as far as what they want to accomplish. And he said he's just there to support them and help them reach their goals and be successful, which is the hallmark of a good leader in any organization, corporate, NFL, anything like that. So the leadership acumen comes through again when he's looking at the players and saying, hey, you are what you are. What are you good at? Where are your strengths? Uh, One thing that he was specifically asked was, uh, are you going to have these guys play more press coverage? Are they going to play off? Jerry Gray's answer essentially said, it's going to depend on what they're good at. You're going to put them in position to succeed. You don't want to put a guy up on the line of scrimmage who doesn't necessarily have the fluid hips to keep with the receiver on a double move and, and things of that nature. So again, I think he's he's been a student. Gray's been a student of the Packers secondary. And if he's using Samari Roll as an example and, and he's coached some guys like that, Paul, the one thing that you have to be encouraged by is he knows how to coach really good players and he knows what it looks like to see a player go from being good to being great. Yep. And you know, the Packers have a couple guys in the secondary who have that potential. You mentioned Jair and I mean, Darnell Savage as well. This could, you know, having gray in practice every day in the film room with them, this could be that big step that, you know, maybe they couldn't have taken on their own or with, you know, past, um, you know, DB coaches that they've had. Yeah, exactly. So good leadership. I think the Packers made a great decision. And the other thing too, is um, gray made note of the fact that, in almost all the years that he's coached, he's been in a variation or in a 3-4 defense. So he's very familiar with the concepts of what the rest of the defense is doing and how he can tailor his coverage to that. So it's not like this is a brand new, completely brand new scheme for him that he has to learn. Um, he's he's very familiar with it. And again, he was, he was on the sideline for the last six, seven years in Minnesota. So he's seen the, you know, the Packers offense. And actually, on that note, One of the questions that was asked was, you know, how much of an asset can you be having been on the other sideline for such a long time to helping Matt LaFleur in terms of how defenses might approach his his offense? Um, He he just kind of made a note. He didn't want to get into too many specifics. And he joked that he didn't want the Lions and Bears to to gain anything from his press conference. But uh, he just made a note of how he has typically att- attacked the previous Packers offenses. And as a, as a student there, obviously, you're going to offer input when you can. But it helps to have somebody within the division because he also went up against the Vikings offense every day in camp. So I know they lost a couple of key pieces. Stephon Diggs is not there anymore, but Kirk Cousins is still there. You assume Dalvin Cook's going to be there when his holdout ends. Uh, you know, this could be a big a big help in keeping the Packers a step ahead of the Vikings. I think they took that step back last year and regained control of the NFC North. But, you know, there's there's something to be said there about the benefit that somebody like Gray can bring to keeping them competitive in the defense as well. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said. Um, And the one other thing I wanted to note was, you know, we've had the coordinators and Matt LaFleur have gone through and done these same Zoom calls as well. And they've been asked about Jerry Gray. And really all you need to know is how both LaFleur and Petten light up when they talk about him, Um, that experience and that boost that he'll bring. Yeah, we knew that they we knew Petten really liked him. I think Petten said he knew within like the first minute that Jerry Gray was his guy. The one thing that he did say that kind of got a little bit more into the scheme and it was a little more of a tell as far as what's going on this year is Jerry Gray mentioned the competition for the nickelback position. He wants to see that wide open to start training camp and he wants to see that competition drive guys to be the best and have somebody come up and really grab a hold 
of that position. He didn't speak. He didn't give any specific names as far as who might be a front runner or who he sees in that role. I think we've talked about this on a couple of, of past shows, Paul, where the nickelback mm-hmm. position is going to be interesting because you've got Channon Sullivan who manned that position last year. Tremont Williams may come back into the fold if they decide to re-sign him. I don't know if they will, but he's not currently with the team, so we can't count him as part of the equation. Then you've also got Josh Jackson. Does Josh Jackson move inside? Is he better on the outside? You know, I think I think the nickelback position is going to be one that's going to be really interesting. I still think for some reason, I mean, I, I keep getting visions of that Cowboys game and Shannon Sullivan and the great game that he had there and how he he was solid in a lot of t- at a lot of spaces and a lot of times last season in the secondary. To me, it seems like he would be my front runner right now. If the season started today, you've got Kevin King, Jair on the outside and Shannon Sullivan on the inside and then just let everybody else compete. I know Kadar Holman's going to want to compete for that role and... As late of a draft pick as he was two years ago, I still hear coaches speak very highly of him. Jerry Gray mentioned him by name in his press conference as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on the nickelback position? Are you a, are you a Camp Channon Sullivan guy, or are you just kind of sitting back and let's wait and see? Uh, right now, I do think Sullivan's the front runner and the favorite. After the draft, Goody mentioned that Sullivan, Josh Jackson, Jair, and Darnell Savage would all be competing for that spot. Personally, while those guys, you know, might have reps in there and maybe competing quote unquote. I feel like Jair is still best on the outside. You know, he's the best cornerback that they have. You want him on that number one receiver, Darnell Savage. You know, I just want that guy to roam that athleticism, that speed. I'd rather see him moving around rather than pigeonholed to one position. So then it comes down to Sullivan versus Josh Jackson. Sullivan's coming off an excellent season as we talked about. And we hope that Josh Jackson can finally take that step forward. Maybe Jerry Gray is the one to, um, you know, help him do that. But based off track record, you have to think that Sullivan's the one who's going to grab a hold of that spot in training camp. And then Kadar Holman, I think he's going to be um, another option on the outside. He's uh, been talked about how really good he is at that press man coverage. He played on the outside in that press man system a lot at Toledo. So he has that background. So I think he could potentially he's someone I'm really excited about to watch in training camp in the preseason. And I think that he's another uh, um, outside guy to join Kevin King and Jair. Yeah, if you. Listen, Tremont Williams was in this position at one point. I mean, that's if that's the ceiling, then Shannon Sullivan could be in Green Bay for a long time. We could be talking about him like we did Tremont to Sam Shields to an extent. Some of the other past undrafted corners that have really come up and played well. Corner's a tough position to learn in the NFL. It's one of the toughest to transition from college to the NFL because the footwork of the wide receivers in the NFL is so mm-hmm. much more refined than it is in college. And Jerry Gray actually talked about how being a player has helped him as a coach. And I'm always a fan of teams that have former players come in and coach. Not all former players are are good at coaching, but Jerry Gray has obviously got a really long track record and he's proven that he's really good. He was actually a safety in college. He moved to the corner in the NFL. So he's had some experience playing in the back, moving to corner, switching positions. You mentioned Darnell Savage, Paul. I think Gray, even though he's not a safeties coach, could really be an asset there to Darnell Savage. I have a feeling that We'll probably see Darnell Savage come up into the nickel sometimes and be a factor there. So it's it may not just be a pure cornerback position where Shannon Sullivan plays every single snap. I think Darnell Savage will get moved in there and mixed in there too. But Gray said his biggest job is to keep guys improving and motivated to learn. He he kind of referred to a conversation that he had with Blaine Bishop, who was a, an all-pro safety for the Titans many years ago. And Blaine Bishop's feedback 
to Jerry Gray as far as how can I be most effective is keep us learning. As long as we're learning, we're listening. And so I, I think that that's, you've got a kind of a father figure and a mentor. And when I look at a lot of friends of mine that I played high school football with that went on to play in college, the ones that did the best tended to have a really super close relationship with their coach. Jerry Gray just seems like the kind of guy that's going to going to bring these guys in and it's almost like he's going to be the surrogate father or uncle to all these guys, you know, and and he wanted them to understand that hey, you guys went to the NFC Championship game last year, you won 13 games last year. This is only your second or third year in the league. Don't assume that it's a given every year. You have to work hard and stay on top of it and it's it's not it's not automatic that you're going to be in the playoffs every year. I mean, the the messaging that Gray gave yesterday was very motivating for me as a fan, but I, I don't see how this secondary, as long as they stay healthy, doesn't take some big steps forward. You know, any final thoughts on Jerry Gray and anything else that he had to say? Yeah, to piggyback on what you just said, one of the other impressive parts about his call was that it seemed that every question went back to a teaching moment, um, even when he was asked about his playing days and, um, you know, just going through that and mistakes, adjustments that he made. It all came back to a teaching moment. And that's what you want from your coach. And obviously that... Um, you know, having played in the NFL, it's one thing to be a coach. And as you said, not all players are going to be good coaches. But when you have that experience at that high of a level and you can more so relate to the players and, you know, what's going through their head in certain situations, it's going to help you relay to them, you know, what they should be doing, how they should be reacting. Um, I mean, and over a Zoom call of all things, you know, it's not in person or even on TV for that matter, he just came across as an excellent motivator. So when he's on the field or in the in the film room with these guys, I can only imagine um, how well that's going to come across and what that's going to do for them. Yeah, couldn't agree anymore. I'm very excited about Jerry Graham, what he's going to bring to the Packers' secondary group. And I don't know what we're going to talk about next Friday, uh, or Saturday, I should say next Saturday, but we should probably maybe get some thoughts from Mark. I know he's got a lot to say about Jerry Gray because he's known him for a really long time. So it'll be exciting to hear what Mark has to say there. But also on the mic was Luke Getze, and I did look it up. So passing game coordinator, quarterback's coach, he kind of has both roles right out of the gate. Low-hanging fruit, of course. The first question he gets asked is about Jordan Love and what his first impressions of Jordan Love were. Getze didn't get as as deep into his thoughts as Jerry Gray did. Uh, A little bit more coach speak from Luke, but he's been around for a long time. He's familiar with the Packers. I think he's going to be good. And a lot of of, uh, initial thoughts were that Aaron Rodgers probably appreciates having him around because Rodgers knows Getze. But on Jordan Love, his basic thing was that he had a, a chance to interview and spend time with him around the Combine before all the COVID stuff happened and they weren't able to spend time around players. And his impression was that Jordan Love is the right kind of guy for the for the Packers. So no surprise there, Paul. And we don't really know, I don't really know a whole lot about what Luke Getze can do because we don't, we don't have a, a, a big shining star moment to point to, to, hey, he's done this, or hey, he, he took, took this guy from a rookie to a Pro Bowl quarterback or a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But... What are your initial impressions on on what your thoughts are, and, and you may not know because I don't either, of what Getzey might be able to do with Jordan Love? We saw what Mike McCarthy was able to do years ago with Aaron Rodgers. Do we think there's an opportunity here for Getzey to maybe duplicate some of that success? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's gonna, I mean, that's a part of his job. You know, he's 
he's another voice alongside of Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett, especially for um, Jordan Love coming in, you know, brand new to the system, brand new to the NFL. He's someone, he's another voice to relay what he's supposed to be doing, how the, you know, how the offense works, why he does this versus that. Um, so there's that opportunity there. And then just, you know, as part of being the quarterback's coach, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunity with him as well. Uh, just to work with them and help them with that growth factor. But all the coaches have hit on it, and Andy's been putting out clips on Twitter of Jordan Love highlights from Utah State. And obviously we don't know how he's going to turn out, whether he's a Hall of Famer or it just doesn't pan out at all. But you don't have to watch more than two or three of those clips to see what the Packers loved about him. Uh, No pun intended. No pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, you know, the, the ability to move in the pocket, the strong arm, you know, even the, even the hard counts where he's drawn defenders out off sides, Aaron Rodgers, like there's just so much that's, you know, similar to what Rodgers does that, you know, now that we've had time to breathe, get away from the draft and take a look at love a bit more closer. Like I said, it's, it's easy to see what they, why they fell in love with him and thought that they had to move up. The thing that stood out to me about those clips that Andy's put out is something that a lot of quarterbacks aren't able to just change their throws. Jordan Love has the ability to farve a ball in between two defenders, and he can put the prettiest touch on a, on a pass the very next snap and just lay it into where it needs to go. That's that's arm talent. And that I think one of the things that they l- really like about him is that he's got that already. That's hard to teach. It's hard to teach. It's like it's almost like a batter in baseball. Paul, I know you're a huge baseball fan. It's hard to have them change their batting stance or their swing if they've been playing for such a long time doing it one way. So that's something that Love comes in with with a lot of arm talent. And Luke Getzey is going to have a great opportunity to work with that. And it sounded like he's really excited about that about that opportunity. I know that we're going to be really excited to watch, watch Jordan Love. If the preseason is shortened, you know, he was asked, what might the challenges be? Getsy, what are the challenges with getting your players ready or, or being able to see them in live action? And Getsy dismissed it pretty quickly. He said it's challenging, but it's nothing too major because practice is where they really show more than the preseason games. And Paul, this makes a ton of sense as far as when we see a high pedigree rookie or a veteran all of a sudden stop showing up on Sundays. A lot of the time it's because of what they are or are not doing Monday through Saturday on the practice field. So that makes a lot of sense. And we don't get privy to a lot of that because during the regular season, the media is not allowed to cover a ton of practice. So that's where the veil comes over and you don't necessarily know what's happening on the practice field, but that's got to be encouraging because as far as we know right now, training camp is going to start about the same time that it does every year in late July. So I still think they're going to get a chance to get those those looks at Jordan Love, the mental part of it, and the imp, the installing of the offense won't be there because they didn't have mini camps. But you know, I don't know what your thoughts are. To me, it's that's comforting to me to say, hey, a shortened preseason, even if we only get to see Jordan Love play in two preseason games, it doesn't necessarily mean that his growth is going to be stunted because he missed some of that other off season time. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact, and you know, from a you know regular season standpoint, outside of an injury. For Aaron Rodgers, they're not counting on love this year anyways. And as you said, those practice, you know, practice is where he's going to make the biggest strides in the film room is where he's going to make those big strides as well. And one thing that I think is being overlooked this season about the Packers and their offense in general is the continuity continuity that they have moving from last year to this year. We all know it's been an unusual offseason. The preseason may get cut short, but as far as new 
personnel. Rick Wagner's at right tackle. You know, Jay Sternberger's going to be tight end one, but he was still here last year and in the system and practices in the film room, all of that. Devin Funches is new as well. But they have pretty much the same group across the board coming back in the same offense. So I think that's going to be a big thing that's been overlooked, but it is something that's going to play into their factor. And especially if it is a shortened preseason, um, you know, the Vikings have a lot of rookies that they have to, you know, that might be playing bigger roles this year. So it's going to be tougher on them in the beginning, any other free agent additions around the division or around the league. It just might not be as fluid as it was in past years. And I think the Packers are going to be one of those teams that are, you know, not totally unaffected by any means, but, you know, less affected than a number of the other teams around the NFL. Yeah, to that point, he was asked about the offensive efficiency and some of the inconsistencies of it last season. And and has he found areas where the team can improve? And of course, he's going to say yes. But his answer was that via continuing to establish identity as last season went on and then through this offseason, looking at film review and conversing with players and more of the Matt LaFleur offense taking shape, adding more players that suit the offense and getting everybody together and comfortable with it is hopefully going to fix some of the offensive issues that they had last year. And Getsy's a big part of that. And you mentioned some of the guys that are returning, Paul. And it's it's nice to be in that sweet spot between having young players, but young players who have been around. So Jay Sternberger is a guy we've talked about numerous times on our show as somebody we expect to be doing big things in 2020. You have some changes, like you said, Rick Wagner on the offensive line. There's going to be some some newness there, but Wagner's still a veteran, even if he's not Brian Bulaga. So I, I think that Getze is set up for, for some decent success there in terms of how he can help the offense move forward. You know, one thing I was looking at, too, as far as his role, he was asked, what's your role? And a lot of it, what he, he said was just kind of collaborating with Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett giving input on the game plan, but ultimately it's theirs to run. So not a huge treasure trove of, of comments there, but it's it sounds like there's kind of a multi-layered uh, aspect to what Getzi's going to bring to the offense. But again, it's somebody who's familiar with Green Bay. You know, there is something to be said about understanding the, the town, the city, the culture there. And he just adds a little more of that, that know-how to to the team but as far as the offense goes it's encouraging to me to think they can take steps forward because at last at times last year yes they were inconsistent so I'm sure you probably see it the same way yeah I mean the the year two jump is what we're all hoping that um, we see from the offense we look back at the 2015 Falcons to the 2016 Falcons that staff where Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur was the quarter or quarterbacks coach and they were very their offense was very average that year they went eight and eight Matt Ryan had 21 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. But in year two of that offense, 2016, they were the highest scoring offense in uh, in the league. Uh, Ryan was MVP. That was the year they went to the Super Bowl. So whether or not we see, you know, that type of elevation, that remains to be. But we're all hoping that that year two jump is there. And David Bakhtiari, who spoke with the media earlier this week, he says that he's expecting that jump because, I mean, if they look at last year, a lot of it was when you're going through the motions of something new, and this is for all of us and whatever we're doing, you're thinking about it more. He said this year, it's more of just a reaction. And obviously, and especially in football, you're going to be playing better when you're reacting rather than thinking about it and then reacting because those split seconds can make a world of difference in whether a play is successful or not. Yeah. I, I think it's, 
I think the X factor is health. I think it's going to be health. If the Packers stay healthy, and again, I've they've caught lightning in a bottle last season. They were very healthy. If they're able to do it again this season, then watch out San Francisco or whoever else is going to come up in the NFC. Because I think the Packers could, they could make a big enough jump this season to put themselves in a much better position to win a game like they played in San Francisco at the end of last season. So Getz will be a part of that too. I mean, the, the he was asked about the pandemic's effect on his job and some of the virtual environment stuff that that it's um, how it's impacted him. He's admitted he's more of a visual guy. He likes looking at film and discussing that. And it's challenging to do it because you're doing it on a, in a virtual situation and you don't have that person in front of you where they can get your energy from the room and you can get their energy and body language and all that kind of stuff. But he says he's finding new ways to try to keep players engaged, quizzing them on what's going on. Uh, you know, the tough part is he doesn't have the on-field examples from minicamp and the actual live reps to determine if a player is grasping, you know, what has been taught. So we could see, Paul, one thing that could be a fallout of that is we could see, again, a situation where you've got a player who is newer. We don't have a whole lot of information on him and then come to find out that he's not running with the ones or he's not running with the twos in training camp relatively quickly because they're going to have to use the first three or four days of camp to really determine who's who knows where to be, who knows what's going on. So I think this training camp could have uh, more eyebrow-raising moments with some of these players that either are doing better than we thought or aren't doing as well as we thought. I don't know what your take on that is. Yeah, we're def- I mean, right out the gate, we're definitely going to know who was, you know, really going after it this offseason with the virtual sessions and who was maybe relaxed a little bit because it's going to show probably more than ever on the field now. And I like the idea that LaFleur wants to bring in the rookies a week early to at least try to get them acclimated as much as possible. You know, they lost a rookie minicamp, but it, it's not going to be the same, but hopefully having that week can at least get them um, you know, on track as much as possible because we know that AJ Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, um, even like fifth round pick Kamal Martin, um, I could see them all playing, or especially the first two playing big roles, but Martin as well potentially. Um, so they're going to need to be up to speed with this offense and everything about that as quickly as possible. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we benefited nicely from having a couple of coaches' uh, words to kind of dissect, which was a nice break in the action. We'll be back again next weekend talking about some of the other superlative topics that we have been working on. But what do we got going on this week at Dairyland Express? Uh, we are working through the position groups. So we're going through all the players still um, on the 90-man roster with each group and then just working through some um, individual looks for the upcoming season. You know, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, Shannon Sullivan, Christian Kirksey, uh, just about anyone and everyone and just keeping up to date with any of the news that does drop. Nice. Awesome. And of course, and, and you can find Paul on Twitter. I always forget. Is it Paul underscore Brettle? Yes, it is. B-R-E-T-L. Paul underscore Brettle. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Perone. Every once in a while, I'll drop some nuggets over at Dairyland Express as well. We will be back another week from now. Everybody enjoy the weekend or what's left of it for you. And as always, go Pack Go. <laughs>